0: If you want to support our podcast financially, please visit patreon.com IIMBSB. Also email us with questions or ideas at ifimaypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is very much about control and how it's showing up in me and Justin's relationship and how we experience control growing up and specifically around emotions.
1: Welcome to If I May Be So
0: Bold, a podcast about relationships. I'm Dan Epstein, recording artist, Enneagram 4 and ADHDJ.
1: I'm Justin Waring Crane, model, actress, singer, dancer, mathematician. Mathematician.
0: SC. Well, will wire this to that. We'll wire it get- through the TV. <laughs> and then...
1: Are we on? Yeah. Are we on? We're live. Well, just a quick update, that I woke up <laughs> homicidal, <laughs> PMSing immediately to make it, to make myself feel worse. I went into my phone and started drafting an email that I
0: oh, <laughs> really right. don't want to send. Yeah, that's so a tough way to start the day. It's a
1: tough way to start the day. I, I felt... Not rested. Did you do the um,
0: subject first?
1: Oh, God, no. Okay. I was, I'm was. i drafting an email in my notes app. So, immediately started the day off in a way that um, was guaranteed to make me feel worse. Yeah. And I knew it would, um, but it's one of those things where you know the thing that's going to make you feel worse and you say, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Whatever that is. I don't know. Masochism.
0: Addiction to stress.
1: Addiction to stress. Just feeling like if I write this email, then I'm going to eventually feel better because this issue will be resolved. But anyway, I'm feeling better now. Supported by my boyfriend. (laughs) My love. (laughs) But also supported by Celsius. Yeah. Uh, Cracked a Celsius after, per Dan's recommendation, went To the pickleball court. Yeah. Went to the cock-sucking pickleball court. (laughs) (laughs) And of course I felt better. Why did Um, you say Uh, (laughs)
0: cock-sucking?
1: I think it's like that is with the spirit of gotta try things (laughs) and it's not always gonna be pretty. But I do feel better now and I'm glad to be recording because we haven't recorded in a while and mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to talk about. So I'm happy. I, get, I like when we get to to talk in this way.
0: I know. It's like, I feel like we got joy from this the first couple times we ever did it mm-hmm. and then we lost it for yeah. a long time. And it's only this season that it's coming back. we've like found yeah. uh, fun.
1: Because we're doing it for us.
0: And we're we're like able to talk about what's going on with us and like feel kind of more connected and lighter after we do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a way I think for ADHD people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this is sort of a, an executive function tool because I feel like we, it makes us mm, sit down and say like, what's going on in our relationship right now? What's challenging? What's supportive? What are themes that are coming out? And then we actually sit down and and organize it through conversation, which is pretty cool. I just had that thought right now. Genius.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about your realization?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So, no, it's not the new number yet. (laughs) I'm still working on that. (laughs) I was up late last night doing calculations, (laughs) scribbling furiously. No, I was... I woke up the other day, a couple weeks ago, and I turned to you and I was like, you know what, babe? I don't know if this was in the morning or mm-hmm. if it was at night. It sounds like a first thing in the morning realization.
0: I don't remember. Yeah. But it doesn't I, matter.
1: I was like, I was like, I turned to you and I was like, you know what, babe? And you're like, what? I was like, I'm cringe. I was like, I'm, I'm kind of cringe. It was a sort of a moment of peace. Hmm. Because usually I, I'm like so embarrassed about. about I don't want to seem cringe or be cringe, but <laughs> I'm now. I I think that gives it too much power or something, and I want to. Yeah. I want to step into that more and just claim that and say, you know what, I am a little. Cringe. What
0: does that even mean to you? I,
1: I'm I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I just think certain things I do that are really dorky, or certain jokes that I'll make, mm. or I don't not know, puns. Not, I'm not, not puns, not I definitely not puns. But um, even there, there are certain things that I've I've I want to come up with examples for this because I know it sounds really vague and that's hell for people, including me. But that's why I wanted to see if there was any ideas or any examples that came to mind for you. Because I've told you stories about right. things that I did. I've told you, you know, about
0: yeah, yeah. things I've said right. or whatever.
1: And, the, and you have this, like, this clearly, like, um, vicarious embarrassment right. reaction. Where then I'm like, oh, my God, like, he thinks I'm cringe. But then I'm like, uh, I am cringe. So, yeah, it's something I want to explore more. In what ways am I cringe? And just to to get to know myself better and not to be shame, shamey about right.
0: it. So you felt like you were kind of denying yourself this part of you yes. for a while? And also, like, like, in-
1: and especially not wanting to seem cringe tw- towards you. Oh, okay.
0: Like,
1: t- I didn't want you to see me that way. Mm. So that's kind of why I wanted to say it to you first. To be like... <laughs> But babe, I just am cringe You came out I came out as cringe It was the bravest thing anyone's ever done Yeah, not during Pride Month (laughs) And I also made me think of that Audre Lorde quote that I love (laughs) Here we go
0: Okay, wow, it just got very prestigious on this podcast Yeah
1: Nothing that I accept about myself Can be used against me to diminish me Beautiful. That's, I mean, I think that's the only quote Mm. you really need to live by. (laughs) Oh, that is great. So I'm like, if I accept this about myself, then it's not going to feel so scary. It's not going to rule my life. I I don't want my life to be ruled by trying to not seem certain ways
0: to people.
1: Because I'm worried I'm not going to be accepted. Like, that's just such a fucking prison.
0: Well, it's interesting because I'm thinking about like ways people use humor, right? In like conjunction with their identity, I guess, like expressions, how humor can be an expression of your identity, right? And I'm thinking about myself and other people I know where sometimes I've used humor as like self-deprecating or like sort of a way to like diffuse tension, you know, add to my detriment, right? Or like I notice other people I know like kind of like I'm a joke, you know, like Mm. the jokes are that I'm a joke or like Mm. that. I'm, uh, I'm so neurotic or I'm so insecure. Like I'm such a slob, you know? Mm. Um, and this is not that, Mm -mm. but it's interesting to, for me to engage with because I'm like, cringe is something that I go to great lengths to avoid seeming for sure. Which is like, makes me think of that essay from the, um, entering the shadow book, uh, the shadow work, like, Jungian shadow book uh that's about how people are drawn to partners that embody some part of their shadow Mm. so it's like you give yourself permission to express this part of yourself which is not like I'm never cringe like I'm definitely cringe with you but I'm not I'm not so um freewheeling what are ways
1: you're cringe with me can you think of an example
0: I mean just making like like, I'll make jokes with you that I would never try out. Oh, yeah, you know?
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes they're my they best are, jokes. They are puns. Well,
0: well, well but they're they're I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about those.
1: Sometimes they actually are really good jokes. Mm. Because they're so out there and they're so yeah. silly that they end up... They like they they do that pendulum swing where it's yeah. like, this is so unfunny. It's now very yeah.
0: funny. Yeah. Um,
1: wow, I guess this is a comedy podcast
0: I still... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in Houston at Dynamo's Cafe on July. Um, how do
1: comedians talk?
0: How do comedians talk? How
1: do, is there like um, a male comedian I'm thinking. Cadence?
0: Well, I'm thinking about in Jewish matchmaking, you know, that blonde, um, like oh, really... Oh, like,
1: yeah. She
0: has Tourette's, right? She has Tourette's. Was yeah. she a little person?
1: No, 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 no. She was just really short. She
0: was really short. Yeah. But as soon as I heard her talk, I was like, she's a stand-up comedian. And she was. Yeah. But she's like, how does she talk? She was like. I don't know, very on, very <laughs> yes. like you are. I love that. No, that's not, but that's not a comedian. That's just like an enthusiastic person. Mm. Uh well, I still feel like what are we talking about when we're saying cringe? Cringe is just like I'm not I'm like I'm giving myself like permission to like to like let my unabashed goofiness hang, yeah. hang out and I'm not trying to maintain. I'm not trying to send you a message like you should see me yeah in a way where I like I like, res- yeah. quote unquote, respect myself yeah. in this particular way or it's something. It's being, not about that.
1: It's like, it's when you're being free. I feel like it's, you're being very free.
0: Which is interesting because I feel like often what I think of as cringe is like somebody trying something out that actually isn't authentic mm-hmm. because they're trying to, to seem cool. Yeah, or to seem, right. yeah, to seem like to actually, yeah, send a message like, I want to be seen as this way. And it's just like, not to your taste, or something, then it becomes yeah. cringe, right, yeah, I when we were just we were just in the mountains with some friends, and like I was just noticing so much so many moments where I was like, "Why do I feel like I have to be funny right now, yeah, you know, mm. and it's it's like it was freaking me out a little bit because it's like, yeah, I mean, I just think for for men, so often it's like you have to be funny. You feel like your sense of like your own worth like going up and down with mm. whether you're hitting or not. I was really aware of that.
1: That sucks. Well, what are we gonna talk about today? We're gonna talk about the C word. That's right. Control. Mm-hmm. This has been a huge Wow, thing.
0: you're really on uh sticking to the itinerary.
1: Cause I I really kind of know what it says. Yeah. I guess, not I guess so. Not all of it, but <laughs> um, Control is a big theme that Dan and I are realizing is so central in the dynamics of our relationship. Um, And I was saying to our friend Becca in the mountains this past weekend, I was like, gosh, I feel like there was sort of a bait and switch that happened with dating you where when I first met you, like I didn't see you as controlling at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like,
1: like you're so like, you seem so um, freewheeling in these ways of like, that's, I feel like your humor is freewheeling mm-hmm. and like the way that you sort of like make these really fun like associations and like the way you're able to, to joke and be playful with your humor just doesn't come across as this like, oh, I'm like super controlled um and like you that, our very first date your shoelace kept coming untied so like I wasn't seeing you as like this slob but I certainly wasn't like oh this guy is waking up at 6 a.m like running 10 miles like doing like
0: you yeah know, you know I totally. just I
1: had this picture of like what a controlled slash controlling man looks like and I like never would have associated that with you. Totally. And I I
0: think like a value of mine is like not having an agenda with people. So I think I was probably communicating that to you. Like, I don't have an agenda. Like I'm here like in earnest, you know, which I think I was, but, and like, yeah, what I think of is also early on, like, I remember saying to you, like, I want you to have what you want and you really like that. And it's like, I think I still do, but... Think, Not
1: really. I think <laughs> you stopped saying it, but I actually feel like you, you still want that.
0: Well, that yeah, that's what I'm saying is uh, I do, but then in stress, I, I do things that um, are controlling and yeah. I'm controlling myself. And now that we are like in this stage of our relationship and like navigating what is my stuff, what is your stuff and how do we... How do we have, how do we be in connection and also autonomous? Mm-hmm. Um, it's gotten messier.
1: So can you walk me through, paint me a picture of the history of control, the role of control in your life and how you feel like that started to manifest for you as you entered adulthood?
0: It's well, such a big question
1: yeah, it is. I think just to give a little background of like, well, obviously we know that control is, is a stress response. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like, you know, in your family? What was, paint me a picture of yeah. the control dynamics. Just even, it doesn't have to, we don't have to go super in depth, but okay. just to help people understand like how we got to this moment and then we can talk about yeah. how control shows up between us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm in this stage um where I'm doing a lot of personal sort of um processing, so I'm I'm feeling like, you know, what I say now, I might look back on and and like have a different sort of lens on it. But having said that, um I think control was just so ever present for me growing up. Um first of all, I'm the youngest of three. My older brothers are Both like I would say quite responsible and like have it together in in sort of um, organizational practical ways in ways that I didn't like and on top of that I was like I was you know like I think probably in a lot of families like being the youngest means you're kind of like the least serious you're not taken seriously you know you're taken the least seriously. Especially once you get to a certain age because you know you're developmentally behind, and also like because my brothers were like those types of competent people, I was like, okay, there's n- I'm not needed, you know, so I didn't have any control, you know like I didn't have any say, and then dynamically, like I'm hesitant to say certain things about my parents, but I think I'll say control was used in the way I was parented really significantly, so I was taught that, okay, so emotions weren't very comfortable, right? Mm. Like my family, people weren't comfortable letting emotions really come through, like Mm. having organic, like emotional responses to things, expressing emotions. That's something I've said before on the podcast. So instead of that, control was used. Mm. So when I think we did become emotional as kids, like there was sort of some, emo- there was c- control clamps that would come down and mm-hmm. say like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you don't do that. Like, you do this. Like, mm-hmm. you just do this and then we're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a lot of that sort of parental energy. Mm-hmm. Like, um, is that clear? Is that like a clear concept?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe you can kind of
1: this feeling is say back. This yeah. feeling, showing this feeling really isn't okay. So, mm-hmm. cut it out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and just cooperate or go along with the plan or whatever it was. But it was just clear that like emotions weren't something to be felt. They're something to be managed and controlled.
0: And therefore, like your emotional internal responses are not to be trusted. So what do we use instead? If we can't trust our emotions, like we come up with ways to manage those or like what it could be numbing. It could be rigidness. It could be, um, distraction. Mm -hmm. It could be, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those are Mm -hmm. some good examples, I think. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So what happens if you're, if you're controlled a lot as a, as a kid, well, you can become an internal internalizer or an externalizer. We could talk about that a bit, but. What usually happens is the control that's exerted on you, you then internalize and you mm-hmm. you start controlling yourself mm-hmm. in the same ways that you were controlled. Yeah.
0: yeah and on top of that, I think the, le- the, the component that I didn't name um, just now is that like the role modeling of I'm going to control myself in these ways and like mm. I'm going to... Be very patterned. I'm going to like uh, keep things at bay. You know, that was role modeled to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like be very uh, agreeable. Be very um, keep things positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: To talk about where our control issues overlap mm-hmm. and where they diverge.
0: God, you're so on it.
1: Thank you. I don't know how this is happening. It's a
0: testament to the itinerary, I think. Yeah, it's, it was intuitively. Yeah, we constructed. let it.
1: We let it did an intuitive outline yeah. of this
0: episode. So. so, yeah. Why don't you talk about yours?
1: Okay. Um, control is a big one in the way that I was parented, and it was coming. Through my parents, but the umbrella over that was the rules of the church. Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to, you know, control your impulses. Yeah. Right. Control your, you know, appetites. Yeah. And And let's say,
0: like, we had your parents on in season one, but your parents were very much ingrained in a church community and they met.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: In like that. Like shared sort of yeah identity,
1: yeah, so my parents now have have really we love them, they're amazing they've they've done like a total one eighty, but at the time where when I was growing up, they were still very deep in that brainwashing of you know my mom grew up with parents who told her you can't trust your feelings, right, right, so that's similar thing to what you experienced mm-hmm. of like feelings aren't to be trusted, and they're to be controlled. <sighs>
0: And yeah, like, I know this is your turn, but I, I'm having more insights. Like yeah, as a child, like you can observe your parents having certain emotions and telling you they're not having those emotions or that they're actually <laughs> yeah. else. So that's also yeah. like another like kind of learning of distrust.
1: Yeah. Like I didn't really see my dad have big feelings. It was more, I got, I did get to see my mom have big feelings, but it was the feelings that she had were so big that it c- kind of crowded out. Mm. Anyone else being able to have a big feeling, right? So, and that just showed me that, like, whoa, like feelings are really scary.
0: Anna Wintour, babe.
1: Oh, yeah, Anna Wintour looking fabulous in a green sort of satin two piece at the open. God, I wish we were there. <laughs> big um, feelings, <laughs> big feelings just saw, I just saw them as very scary. So, in my mind, like, yeah, I want to control those things. I don't, you know. I don't think it was, I think I could still cry and be comforted. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it was ever like, oh, don't cry or, oh, get over it. Because I, I think my mom had enough awareness at that point about how she grew up, that she didn't want to make me feel bad about my feelings or, but it just, but feelings, I just didn't know how to work with my feelings. So they always just felt So scary and like any kind of like negative feelings like shame or guilt or anger. Well, anger definitely wasn't allowed to feel angry because my mom wasn't allowed to feel angry. Or when she was angry, it was like it was completely terrifying
0: Mm. to be around. What it looked like.
1: Then I'm like, I don't want to be terrifying. (laughs) What did it look like? I relate to that Um, by the way. Just like she would it it happened very rarely, but she would she would lose it.
0: That was like my she mom. would kind of
1: snap, so because she wasn't because she was living in a way where she was people pleasing, so mm-hmm. then she became resentful, so then mm-hmm. you're resentful for long enough, eventually it erupts in this very um scary way,
0: right. It's almost like, yeah, you become her oppressor. Because like as a child, she was like having to be silenced in these ways and like it reaches a boiling point. So it's like almost like she's getting pushed to that place. I don't know. Maybe this is... By me? Yeah. Or by whatever is... Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what you and I have in common is we are both internalizers.
0: Mm -hmm. Meaning?
1: Meaning we take on the problems that... So like if someone in our family was not comfortable with anger yeah we became uncomfortable with anger or if control was used to to keep us in line we started to do that work on ourselves so
0: yeah and also internalizers are like they tend to like be like i need to improve this in myself rather than like nobody's getting this right. Like right. this is bullshit or like right. seeking external um, fixes Yeah, as much.
1: Yeah. So we're both internalizers. We're both intellectualizers. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> and that's one reason. We're of-
0: very good at like talking about the ideas that surround our issues and <laughs> yeah. not as good about just like <sighs> like guttural yeah. sort of re- responding yeah
1: and the talking about it is helpful to an extent but it can um, only take you so far and that's i think partly why ACA 12 and 12 step has been so appealing because mm-hmm. people go and they you know or let it rip they let it rip and they're like i'm so pissed about this this is this is so fucked up like i'm suffering like crazy you know yeah, and then we're like, "Oh wow, that's that's something I could do." You know, <laughs> I get yeah. to do that.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really beautiful.
0: And they're also not masking. No, you know, which is that's huge. Yeah,
1: yeah, just like I don't want to feel like I have to hide my feelings. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's hell.
0: Masking being like, uh, yeah, you know, I have these problems, but you're like kind of presenting as like you have it really put together like people share, and they're like, oh, like you, fuck, like this is no joke. As you know? an
1: internalizer, you really feel like you have to protect everyone else mm-hmm. from your feelings and from yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just feel like, oh, like no one is gonna want this. No one's gonna be able to handle this. So, like, right. I just need to like figure this out on my own, like mm-hmm. as efficiently and as quietly as possible
0: a lot of this information for me is coming from this book um, adult children of emotionally immature parents um do you know the author offhand yeah Lindsay c gibson now i'm like fuck can i say that like i'm like you know talk about that I just feel self-conscious because I still want to protect my family, and I like i'm trying I'm like breaking out of the mold of of um, keeping silent and like not identifying what's really going on. like um in uh, in ACA, they talk about like the thing that the thing that perpetuates dysfunction in families from generation to generation is denial, right? It's like an unwillingness or an un, or an inability to or a lack of resources to be able to be like, wait, what's happening? Oh, this is underneath all of this and has been passed down. So as long as we're in denial, then it keeps going. So like part of the program is like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dysfunction loves denial.
0: Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel is like what they talk about. So
1: yeah, you're breaking out of that mold. And that absolutely is going to come with guilty feelings. But I Mm -hmm. think what's what is helpful to keep in mind is that you're doing this in order to create a foundation where you can have a really loving and functional relationship with your family
0: mm-hmm.
1: like if you weren't doing this, then there would be no chance of that
0: right so and if I'm not able to have a functional relationship with myself, then very little is possible in terms of my relationships, especially yes. with them
1: and to 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 label someone as emotionally immature. Yeah, okay, it sounds it sounds harsh, but like mm-hmm. so many people are emotionally immature
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and also we're not and it's not their fault. We're not and it, it's not their fault and they were raised by emotionally immature parents, you know? Right. So they didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um so it's not to shame or blame. It's just mm-hmm. this is what it was and it and it wasn't good for anyone and we deserve so much better than that. All of us do. Right. So let's look at it and then we get to start new cycles in our family. Yeah. Like what would it be like to end the cycle of immature parents in this generation of your family? Like pretty powerful.
0: And I also think as a third child, I'm like predisposed to feeling less responsible for like maintaining the culture of the family. Yeah. That's just kind of how it tends to go.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's kind of a, a blessing and a curse, right?
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: Nice. Good (laughs) shit.
0: (laughs) Really good shit. Wow. Okay, so you said that you felt baited and switched a little while ago. Yeah. So you saw me as something like counter to what you associated with controlling men. So what do you yeah. associate with controlling men? Let's get more a little more specific. And what were guess, you projecting I, onto me?
1: I guess the stereotypes. Uh, I was thinking of the stereotypes of like, you know, really rigid about food or, or like trying to control my food in some way or being judgy about like exercise or, you know, mm. um, or like yeah. spending habits and just... You know, I, I imagine a controlling man and I think someone who's going to comment on like, oh, wow, like you bought another pair of shoes or, you know, <laughs> yeah. or is like so anal about like getting places on time or just like, you know. Kind
0: of acting like a bot, like your boss in some Kind way. of acting, yeah. yeah.
1: Sort of acting like your boss or like your manager. And you don't, you don't do any of those things. So I was kind of like, we're good. Um, right, but it's it's really hard to describe.
0: And what is the type of person who dates a man like that?
1: I think, you know, someone who, um, is like super empathetic and understanding, and and also feels like something's wrong with them or that they need to mm-hmm. be kept in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and are those people are sort of drawn to narcissists?
0: Also, yeah. What I and what makes me think of is like kind of buying into those types of roles in straight relationships, too, where it's like that's hot for a man. Well, it's like it
1: is because I mean, it it also that's the other kind of confusing layer is like it is hot to be bossed around (laughs) in certain ways, or Mm. like there's that stereotype of like, oh, that guy's a dick if he takes you out to dinner and then. He looks at the menu and is like, she'll have the steak. Mm
0: -hmm. But it's like... You love that.
1: I love that. Like, (laughs) I, It's like so overwhelming for me to look at a menu, especially those menus that are like, you know, the Torah. (laughs) They're like really... (laughs) They're long. There's so much writing. So for Dan to be like, do you want me to figure it out? It's like, that's a love language thing for me. And he always like picks... He knows what I like and he picks things that I'm going to like. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a huge, you know, weight lifted. This is like, this is what Fifty Shades of Grey was like
0: appealing Mm -hmm. to women of like,
1: if we can relinquish control, that's the absolute freedom, blah, blah, blah. But there's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's something to it. So.
0: (laughs) I'm imagining someone who thinks all menus are like the Torah. (laughs) And so they get there and they're like, what's this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's the thing that, the pencil that they use? The yod. The yod. It means hand, because it's like, like a little hand. This the- restaurant doesn't have a yod. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um We don't have yods.
1: <laughs> Um So, but so slowly, like as our relationship has evolved over the past three and a half years, the control stuff, you know, you trying to control me, it happens in ways that... It's very difficult to even describe, so it's more of a body feeling mm. I start to get
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's really difficult to to point to any behavior you've done and say that feels like you're trying to control me. It's more like an energy that I pick up from you mm-hmm. of being surveilled I'm mm-hmm. being watched and like yeah, like, is he he's noticing that like I'm eating this thing or i'm drinking this thing and it's not because what does it feel like for you to feel like you need to to control my energy
0: i just i just feel dysregulated like i think it's it's like i've never experienced this in a relationship so it's um i've never experienced this but it does i feel like this impulse that i need to like manage something or like i'm being stressed so i feel like i need to do something and Uh, I was experiencing it a lot when I was having that bout of like relationship anxiety. And then, so I think I was, that was like it starting to show up. And now I'm in a period where it does still come up some, but I'm more with the understanding that this is an internal thing that is dysfunctional behavior for me.
1: Are there certain energies that I have that you notice dysregulate you more? Like if I'm sad or if i'm angry or i'm stressed out about something
0: yeah when you're i feel like when you're particularly like sort of all over the place Mm. you know that
1: emotionally
0: yeah and just like with focus like when your add is like particularly like revved up i guess I mean, it happens the most on the pickleball court when you start yes. to spiral. Yes, you know, I think that's so where like, it
1: happens. The that most. is
0: the really that's the in,
1: most pronounced,
0: the embodiment yes. of like of me feeling like I need to do something to help you, like ground or yeah. get back into a better headspace that's or something.
1: That's like the distillation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Which we should talk about more in a different episode. Yeah, but um, but you, we were in bed the other night. Um and you had you shared this realization with me that really clarified this dynamic and mm-hmm. and was so validating because it helped me understand why I had been feeling um, kind of just taken for granted at times or like you had forgotten that you're dating this incredible person and sort of seemed like out to lunch about it or kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, like it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And we, you realize why.
0: My realization was there's these times where I'm on edge and I'm feeling like I need to like manage what energy is coming at me from you or like I'm wanting to, I feel like Yeah. And that is just, I think purely what was, I experienced as a child was that happened to me. And so now in our family, I'm doing it to you. Um, And what I realized is, oh, I'm in stress. So like I'm on edge and I'm trying to manage this thing. So I'm actually really unable to receive you and observe and like experience you and like see you when I'm feeling that way, which is sad.
1: Yeah, but that explains it. It's like I know that I'm amazing and all these wonderful things as a partner and as a person. So if he's not getting that, oh, it's because he's not present. Yeah. So how could he it's be like, reminded of how incredible of a person he's with?
0: Yeah, it's like you're experiencing my inner critic or my inner yeah. teenager or some combination of the of mm-hmm. those two. Yeah. That is like, it's not safe here. I can't really be here. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so huge. And then I feel I'm like insecure and I'm like, what's going on? Like, Mm -hmm. he's not appreciating me. This Mm -hmm. is bad. Like, what are we going to do? Like, and not really knowing where that's coming from. But so you having that realization, I'm just so grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing because... Mm I wouldn't be able to continue in this way otherwise. Right. And I would just feel probably start to feel so lonely and so confused.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also I think it's so it's very complex in that I think there's these like healing slash escape fantasies at play where it's like, I don't feel I feel dysregulated and I'm like, I shouldn't feel this way. So in the past, I've always used chasing success or like attention or like sexual validation to escape. But now it's like I'm starting a 12 step program now that I'm in a relationship because I see that there is no escape. It's This is a thing that I will always deal with unless I'm able to um, find a path of like healing and like making peace and like creating order order is not the best word, but creating like harmony. Harmony. Internally. Yeah. Um, and I've always felt that like, why am I, why am I so busy in my mind? Like, why am I thinking obsessively? Why am I like, can't sit still? Why am I like constantly in st- either stress and fear or like chasing excitement? Um, and so it makes sense that like the first step of that is like, surrendering to the fact that things are this way right now and like your experiences early in life were always going to lead you to this internal experience and it couldn't have been any other way and you are on some level you're not helpless but you are powerless over how intense that is and uh yeah i really feel that
1: yeah yeah And that's our show. Thanks for joining us. Our music is by Nightlight. We self produce this podcast, so please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps.